All right, guys, welcome to the podcast. Normally, right now, we'd have an advertisement for you talking about how much you need to go check out Blue Crown Aquatics. But in this episode, we have the CEO, Robbie Chan, in with us. So we're going to go through an entire deep dive into shrimp here in just a moment. So I'm just going to take this opportunity to remind you that we have some sexy attire at our website, AquariumGuysPodcast.com. Go to the bottom of the website. Merch store is up and live. Now, Jimmy says I should not do this, but I have to honor what I said, that if we have, what was it, 20 different people order from us, not 20 objects ordered, but 20 different people order from us, I will purchase an Aquarium Guys crop top and take a picture for one and all to see. No, nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Nobody wants to see no, that. No. no one? No. No one. Well, I have a I have a post from the Discord here today. It informed me of this. It says, only skinny people should wear crop tops, and Winnie the Pooh sitting there saying, bitch, please. Really? So Yeah, that is a sexy Winnie the Pooh. Then. Winnie the Pooh has always worn a crop top for years. Why can't I? Yeah, you certainly can. And then uh, maybe we could plant some tomatoes or something in your belly button. And I'm just saying, Robbie's where they got the honey. Yeah, exactly. You are the honey. All right, so AquariumGuysPodcast.com, bottom of the site, merch store. Get yourself a t-shirt, mug, a water canister, canteen. Water cannons? Can- we, we can buy water cannons? Not can- cannon. We're working There's on cannons? Cannon. We- There's no cannons. We should sell cannons. I'll, I'll, I'll see what we can do. But uh, hats. <laughs> All right, moving on. We have the Ohio Fish Rescue to uh, let you guys know about. They uh, have had some mad guests this last uh, week, so certainly check out. There'll be a. They've already released a bunch of content, but there's gonna be a bunch more content. So check them out on their YouTube channel, Ohio Fish Rescue, and go to their website, OhioFishRescue.com. You know, say you love them by dialing their phone number, but uh, also donate a little money. Oh, buy so a T-shirt. Buy a T-shirt. Buy some hair care products from Rich because he is the mullet man. So he was on stream. I did ask, you know, by <laughs> I did see that. Demand, yes, what hair care products he has. Now I could have called him, but it's much better to you know do this where it's recorded. So check out his li- uh, recordings of live stream, and you'll see proof that he not only shampoos but he conditions as well. Oh, you know he conditions. That's some lovely hair. Well, I'm, people said don't use shampoo, you but that would be gross. And he's a very hygienic man and has a very beautiful full mane. That's right. Makes Billy Ray Cyrus sad. Yeehaw. All right, let's kick that podcast. Welcome to the Aquarium Guys podcast with your hosts, Jim Colby and Rob Zolson. All right, guys. Welcome to the Aquarium Guys podcast. Today, we are doing, I don't know, we should call this like Shrimpapalooza. Shrimpapalooza? Shrimpapalooza. You know, I think Red Lobster does something similar to that. No. You know, I think you cracked a joke one week, something about endless shrimp, and we got so many people messaging us about that and to stop playing the didgeridoo. Yeah. So what what did what did the uh, shrimp guy say on the thing that he sent? He said it was the funniest comment ever. The, sh- uh, the shrimp guy. Well, oh, we'll get a, we'll play the voicemail for everyone to hear in a moment. Oh, really? I am your host, Rob Zolson, and I'm Jim Colby, and I'm Adam Elnishar. Oh, yeah, he's got the rhythm down. Look Finally, at that. he's got yeah, he's sitting in Office Studio O for Office Studio O, and we're Studio B for Basement. Um, why do we name our studios? Because we don't want to get them confused because they're 200 miles apart. And, you well, know. oh, they're like 500 miles apart. We just had a discussion <laughs> right this last week. Yes, and we're going to be setting up uh, a big uh, green screen. Uh, lab here to do some live streams with you to answer questions because we're finding out from that discord podcast that we have so many people that want instantaneous questions so right now we have discord up and people are getting answers like like that you know of course people love the whole camaraderie that comes to the live stream so we're going to turn studio b into the goldfish bowl the goldfish bowl or fish bowl we, we haven't really decided but we're going to put up a 
elongated green screen setup, and we would love to sit in our podcast studio in the midst of fish. And are we, we're going to be doing it nude. Uh, no. Oh, no. No, we're not. I remember already Winnie the Pooh crop topping. <laughs> You're not allowed to uh, do that without at least sense. I thought that it was, it was, since it was green screen, they couldn't see anything anyway, so I thought we could just do it naked. That's yeah. only if you're green, Jim. You oh. might be fat like Burt Kreischer, but you're not as funny. So maybe you have to keep your shirt on. So maybe if Kermit the Frog came here, that'd be really fun. This is getting weird. Getting weird. It's yeah. getting real weird. All right. All right. Rob's, you're going to wear pants, right? Because Winnie the Pooh doesn't wear pants. We have young listeners. Hey, as long as it's just that we're going to take the picture from belly button up. So even if I'm not okay. wearing pants, they're not going to see it. God, I just <laughs> threw up in my mouth a little bit. Well, on that note, Robbie Chan is with us today. We'd like to welcome him. He is the CEO of Blue Crown Aquatics. You know, just super happy to have him on. We've been prepping this for a while now. We've had, I think, what's this is our number one most requested podcast. So far, yes. So far is shrimp. It's just an wow. outcry for it. So, Robbie, we are happy to have you. Welcome, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. So, where are you right now? I am in the state of Illinois. Illinois. So, yes. uh... I have so many more questions uh, for you, but you know I'm, I'm going to force myself to pause because we have some cleanup to do for our listeners. We have emails and a voicemail to go over. A voicemail? So let's start with the voicemail, shall we? And, and let's tell what we're doing wrong with the voicemails. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> tell, tell that story, That's dude. a story. Tell it. So I'd like to apologize to each and every one of you that has called. Because Robbie's have, stupid. We're always wondering. We're getting all these messages on Discord. <laughs> we're getting all these people on Facebook. We're getting continual stream of emails. But no one's leaving us a voice message. No. We couldn't figure out why. Well, apparently somebody, not saying myself, but probably myself. It was you. Mistyped uh, a digit of the phone number in the wrong sequence. So when you called, people just heard, Google Voice, please. And they just left some random person a bunch of fish love. (laughs) So... So Whoever you are that had wow. the Aquarium Podcast number mixed up, I'd like to formally apologize to you. We have it fixed. The number is correct on the website, aquariumguyspodcast.com. Go to the bottom of the website. Get it right. And the phone number is verified. And here's how you know. If you dial and you hear our voice talking to you on the voicemail, you know it's us. Otherwise, don't leave a message. Because we've had people leaving messages going, why don't you answer me? Why don't going, you answer our question? We're well, not getting anything. We fixed that, and now we have our, our uh, first voicemail for a while. All right. Let's hear it. All right. Hey guys, my name is Justin. I'm from West Virginia. Mainly just wanted to give you guys a shout out and let you know I'm loving the podcast. Quick question for you. I'm expanding my fish room and I'm adding 30 10 gallon aquariums and about 10, 20 longs. I've been using a master test kit for checking my water parameters up until this point. I've kind of grown to hate this process more than water changes. Do you all have any suggestions or what direction I could go to make this process a little more painless? Thanks again for putting out this solid content and I can't wait for you to kick the next podcast. Oh, and Jim, please do us a favor and just didgeridoo-don't. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yes. Man. You've been told. Another fan. The people have spoken. No, no. People love the didgeridoo. Love it. All right. So hashtag didgeridoo-don't on social media. That's Facebook or Twitter, please. Or hashtag didgeridoo if you really must be psychotic. But to answer his question, I was actually fortunate enough where... Justin was the one to report the issue of our number being broken. I was talking to him on Discord, and I got to answer uh, his question direct. So I got more information because that's not enough for us to answer his question. So he was having a issue with some of his water uh, pH levels and other things, and he has to go through a strenuous pro- process removing um, uh, chlorine and other stuff from his water. He tests continually to see if the water changes and fluctuates, which it doesn't seem to a lot. So what I recommended is have base 
test. Instead of testing all the time, you know what your water is going to be in a regular cycle. Instead, you know, move that down to one test every two weeks or one test a month. And, you know, if you're in the city, talk to your people to see if they're going to flush lines because that changes pH. But if you've established what it is every time, there's no need to continually check. Most uh, people in the hobby that are experienced have fish rooms. Probably we can even get uh, Robbie Chan on this one. We test our pH up front and know what the base is and work from there. We don't test continually most of the time unless there's an issue. And just chart it. Get a chart and get a piece of paper, put it on the wall, just chart it so you know exactly where you were a week ago and don't go from your memory. Because if your memory is anything like mine, you don't remember how to get home at night. So if you see an algae bloom, you see your fish stop eating, if there's some sort of symptom or sign to test, test, but just otherwise keep it to a schedule and not test every everything every time. Perfect. Perfect. That was that. Now we can pull up some emails. Emails? Wait, wait, did you bring that email? I didn't bring my email again. You, that poor... Poor listener. I know. I'm Just gonna bring it though. Hose. We should send them a T-shirt or something. We will. We'll send them a sexy picture of you in a crop top. Oh, on a T-shirt. We should put that on a T-shirt. Put that on a T-shirt. Oh. Wow, that's a that big, was Adam that, excited. That Did was you a hear big him? sigh. Yeah. We'll, we'll uh, call it the Rob's version of Winnie the Pooh. Now for <laughs> for the emails. Let's see here. We have a couple, so I'm trying to go back all the way. So I'm making sure to get them. Um, number one, we have a bunch of different suggestions, but I'm going to go over for the biological bacteria that uh, we talked about for Blue Corn Aquatics. So, Robbie Chan, he's trying to come up with a name. And poop juice, of course, is still the best, but we're going to send a list. we got a few listeners sending us a bunch of names. We'll get that over to Robbie Chan to, to review, and we will respond nice. back to you. Yeah, if our company chooses one of them, and we know who made that suggestion, we'll send them a bottle, a whole set of for free. Not oh. a problem. Oh, so um, I can expect my poop juice on Tuesday. All right. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you know, if it's poop juice, we'll raffle it to a listener. There, there we, we go. go. <laughs> All right. So first uh, email. Hi there, Robs and Jim. Sorry, Adam. She didn't mes- message yeah. you at all. Just not even a little bit. This email is starting great, don't you think, Jim? Oh, I love it. All right. First, it's an honor she to She sounds be- cute. <laughs> Suck it. It's, it's, it's Heather, by the way. Oh, hey, Heather. Yes. First, it's an honor to be able to send you a message. Thanks for putting uh, your email out there and making your guys so accessible. Secondly, I stumbled across your podcast a couple weeks ago, been listening ever since. You both have such wonderful chemistry and you're talented interviewers. And also been keeping me laughing. Very well informed on my drive home from work. Thank you for all you do. Well, thank you for listening. She, she said we had chemistry and let's we, just, we're both married, so we're not together. Rob's and I are not together. You but, know, we, but we could be. We, we could be? We could, but we're not. All right. We're both married. Call me. Yeah, talk to me. So now, to add some background to my info to my question, my dad kept a 55-gallon community tank of fish when I was growing up, and since we since then we kept cichlids, but I'm just starting to start up a peaceful community tank, 29 of my own. I want to make sure I'm doing things right and start out, so I'm reaching out with a starter question. There may be more to come. At this point, I have filled my tank with water and gravel, a heater and filter are going, I've done my initial water testing, and I have a bottle of stress time ready to start the cycle. Question is, how do I best add ammonia to the tank? I've been reading about different methods and wondering what you would recommend. I also want to mention I am not in a big rush to get my fish, but I'm not so necessarily looking... I'm not necessarily looking for a way to cheat the cycle, but would appreciate any tips you would have. Love to hear from you when you have a moment, Heather. Wow, she's got a lot of patience. Oh, man, yeah. man, I should have married her. So let's go. What you don't do, right? Don't urinate in your tank because that's on. That is seriously a thing you can do. How to add ammonia to your tank? People, if you find on Google, will pee into their tank. Really? Don't do that. 
No. Why? Why would people do that? Well, it does add ammonia, and I assume it would work over time, but... I mean, who wants their living room smelling like, you know... Urine? Yeah. No. No, that's the, that's Pass. more like a dog in your cushion thing. Oh, so what else you got? Well, what do you recommend for ammonia? For, I, I've never... I just put in the stress zyme and, and waited. Adam had a good idea. Like, he had uh, added a couple small fish, added a couple corridors that are hardy, like bronze corridors, adding a small amount of ammonia, but it's still a risk because you don't want it to crash, but just... I, one or two fish, or if you're so lucky to borrow a goldfish, they crap on like, command. Like a Clydesdale. Right. So yeah. that does add a bit more, but the best thing you can do is trying to get some old chunk of filter from someone else, like a cartridge they're going to throw out. So if you have a friend, or since you have that 55-gallon of your family's, see if you can just cut a piece of the cartridge off. Again, it's a dirty cartridge. Add that to your tank, and boom, there's your ammonia. Yeah, and it's a 29-gallon tank, so you're able to, to add several fish, and you won't have a big swing in anything real quick. So I would just suggest throwing a few fish in and doing some water changes quite often when you are first starting that tank. And I think that's just probably the easiest and most simple way, and it's called instant gratification because you also have a few fish to look at. Boom. Boom. So that's, uh, that's our recommendation. And the next email, I swear we don't have many more. we got to get to the interview quickly here. We have Martin from Ireland. Now, I'd like to point out that we're getting quite a few people messaging us from Ireland. We've, we've had, uh, I believe his, his name is Andy. Yes. Yeah, so we are, I don't know what it is. Maybe people just play us in the local pub. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, let's 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 go to the pub and listen to Rob's and Jim ramble on about nothing. Uh, that's what it is. So when you go in Ireland at the end of the rainbow, we're just a podcast sitting in a pot where there used to be gold. Yeah. That's uh, what it is. And it's all gone now. But so, I'm just thinking there's nothing else to do in Ireland other than... There's you know, lots to do in Ireland. Coming from a guy who's never been to Ireland. All we, right. we, we need to go to Ireland. That's I all will. there is. We'll start an Ireland fan club. Hey, guys. Martin here. First of all, huge thanks uh, for... Excuse me. Huge thanks for giving us great content to listen to while grinding away at my uh, day job. Extremely educational, inspirational, and a lot of fun. My only problem is waiting between podcasts. I'm listening from Cork, Ireland... Not sure the time difference, so I'm literally checking Spotify every time I pick up my phone. So guys, break out those Betty White posters and didgeridoos and get your asses back in that podcast. Cheers. Wow, there's a guy who knows what he likes. We've been told. So Martin, just for you, this week, so we're, we're, we're cutting this on Tuesday, so you should have this Wednesday morning. We're going to do another podcast in the celebration of our fans in Ireland, yourself, and Thanksgiving. We'll have an additional podcast this week. We're going to have an additional podcast. Any idea which one? Well, they're going to have to just wait in to listen. Otherwise, what else is he going to have to pick up his phone for and look at Spotify? Am I right? All right. Am I right, Martin? He just hates us right now. <laughs> I know. the Because uh, in Ireland, it's probably still like 1974. I don't know how much time difference there is. But... I feel like we need to insert a potato joke somewhere in this. That's a bad joke. Is it? Yeah. The, the, I don't know history in the Ireland. The potato joke? The potato famine is bad. Well, that's a famine. Oh. See, I didn't. I need yeah. to. I'm no, a fish no, guy. No, no, I don't no, do history. That. Is that because their windmills quit going around in circles, or is that something no? That's different? that's Holland. That's Holland. Right. That's Holland. Yeah. Don't they make tulips? This is going downhill. All right. Yeah. Well, we're offending all of our European <laughs> listeners, <laughs> and we have quite a few. So we well, apologize. We've offended everyone else. So we might as well include everybody. We're making it up. We're putting out an extra podcast. Extra don't podcast. Us. That's right. And you know what? And like we always tell people, if you don't like our podcast, we're going to double your money back. Because two times nothing, still nothing. I'm inserting crickets right here. Right there. That's hilarious. Enjoy your crickets. All right. 
So just a reminder, guys, you can find us on Facebook. We have a growing community. We have a lot of people sharing content and you know answering questions. But Discord, you guys heard us in the last podcast. We have a lot of people on Discord as well for instant gratification. That was a live super chat. fun. That was great. That was like all-star wrestling. There's people coming from over the rope left and right. There's so many people on that podcast. I love that podcast. You're just mad because it's Tuesday and you're missing wrestling, I feel like. Wrestling, right. yes. All right. We, so we have Facebook, Discord, but uh, also go to our website and leave us an email like these guys have and a uh, voicemail. We got our, our number set up. And uh, before we get to the show, since we missed the advertisement, while you're hearing Robbie Chan talk about all these things, go to his website, uh, bluecrownaquatics.com. Use the promo code Aquarium Guys for free shipping. Free shipping? Free shipping. Does he know about this? Shh. He's not listening. And aren't we giving away some, uh, some cashola this week? We are, Jimmy. How much are we giving away, Robs? Well... First of all, I have to pull up the list, and might we add that we've had this uh, offer out for a month, and what are we giving away, Jimmy? We're giving away four $25 gift certificates to Blue Crown Aquatics. Thank you, Robbie. You're welcome. So in front of me, I have a list of contestants, right? You, before the podcast, have sent me your picks and draws, but I have not given out the names, right? I just gave you numbers. So on here, we have the first winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Right. Or shrimp dinner. Shrimp dinner. Shrimp dinner. Shrimp dinner. Shrimp dinner. Shrimp dinner. All you dinner. can eat shrimp, shrimp at Red Lobster. Drum roll. <laughs> Craig Clark. Yeah, Craig. From Illinois. Illinois. What? Right. Illinois. Yay. Yay. I, I, see, I, I see something happen here. The guy from Illinois <laughs> just gave somebody from Illinois something. Well, that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to have Robbie drop off the code in person. That's right. right. We'll have him come over and bring a box of donuts. All right. Of course. The next contestant in our item up for biz is daniel kim from washington washington tacoma. state tacoma yeah, washington tacoma. all is, right is that not where they got vampires from like twilight over in washington uh, was no? it yeah. is that yeah. where it was no that's oregon i thought oh i don't know it's, I, it's close okay. they're neighbors right right they're neighbors right yeah vampires move fast they could travel all right the third goes to kyle van grohl in new york new york congratulations buddy good job and the last one doesn't go to Mr. Pickles. No. No. Oh. Jim Colby. Jim Colby. Jim Colby. <laughs> I just Jim want Colby. I just want that because, you know, Mr. Pickles deserves to be uh, picked on. He's in Canada. He, I mean. Everybody in Canada should be picked on. Who won? Right. Who won? Who won? Was it me? You, that's who put in on that delete? I thought people were just faking the name Jim Colby yeah, in this. Yeah, I put my name in about 30 times, so I was oh. hoping to win. <laughs> I hate you. Yeah. I really hate you. You put a lot more work into this for me. The uh, last winner is Michael McDa McDade. McDad. We apologize for butchering your name. Right. Forgive us. From Florida. Florida. So we are touched mm. all the borders. Right. Thank you to Robbie Chan for these wonderful $25 uh, gift it's certificates. You're welcome. We'll get those out to you. I'll reach out. I have your contact information. So you'll be hearing from uh, Jimmy because I don't feel like calling people. I love to call people. Excellent. All right, Robbie, are we ready? Yes. Excellent. So let's dive in. Number one, we want to know more about you. Great. Again, R Robbie, you said you're Illinois. You know, what's your profession? My profession is a chiropractor. I'm a chiropractor. I've been practicing chiropractics in California for over 10 years. So I've been picking on you. I, I messaged you the other night that I'm having a hard time turning my head right, and uh, mm -hmm. we need to meet up soon. Of course. I'll bring my table. There's a table? I have a mobile table. I can treat people on it. That's it. We're going to go to Chicago, aren't we, Jimmy? Sure. We'll go to Chicago. Excellent. 
I think that, they, I think they sold hot dogs there. Wait, wait, wait! You told us before that your chiropractor was making fun of you for being like a football player. Yeah, I, I think Robbie has those same same uh, benefits, right? Yeah, I went I went and saw Doctor Mike uh, uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago, and, and he said I was nothing like the people that uh, he works on the professional for the Minnesota Vikings. Right, right. And so, well, thank goodness. But for he that. still compared me to the Minnesota Vikings, but I was nothing like them, which I don't know what that <laughs> that's means. That's good. Yeah, hey, that's, that's a good compliment. Yeah, I thought so. Next time, ask him how you compare to the Lions. Yeah, that's what you should do. Yeah. All right. So, Robbie, you yes. have you're the CEO of Blue Crown Aquatics, and this this happened actually pretty recently. You're you're pretty new in the chair, but you've been through the company how long? Um, oh, a little bit around ten, two years now. How long has Blue Crown Aquatics been around? Uh, it's been here. It's established in 2015. Now. What we like to go over is, we, how we say, just ornate shrimp in general. We have the two main, uh, Neocardinia and Cardinia, but there also is some oddball varieties we'd like to go over later in the episode as well. Mm-hmm. We'd like to pick your brain on it, and let's start off with just the overall care. So what are, first of all, the parameters you need to keep shrimp in? The basic parameters for uh, Neos, Neocaridinas, are... They, they range from pH 6.2 all the way to like 7.5, you know. So the, the parameters for P, pH is pretty high and uh, tolerance is pretty good. GH is around between 3 to 6. Uh, some people do it to 7. It's a little bit too hard in my opinion. Uh, I would keep it around 3 to 6. KH, 0 to 4. TDS, this one is the tricky part. Could be from as low as 70 all the way to like 500, 600, even... I've seen 655 or something like that. That's pretty hardy. Yes, yes. Uh, temperature usually hovers between 69 to 74. It's a ballpark, but they can really survive in a lot of different type of temperature, even a little bit cold ones. You know, we ship out to cold places, and they, you know, they as long as the water doesn't freeze. So I've heard a lot of different uh, information about temperature. And the reason I think that this is the most requested podcast from people is the shrimp hobby is relatively new. The history of keeping ornate shrimp with like the cardinias and neocardinias started in the early 90s. There is not a lot of information that's been given out, not because we don't have it, but because it's a very kept hobby. Everybody will breed to find their own colors. Everybody has what they think is a very unique strain. And it's uh, unfortunate that a lot of breeders don't like to share information because they think it's in trade secrets. And yes. what we're trying to do is make this easier for everybody. Even if you go on the Wikipedia page, for Cardinia or Neocardinia, it's missing a mass amount of information. They Large amount, yes. They don't have mm-hmm. lifespan, they don't have temperatures, they don't have a lot of mm-hmm. details that would consider basic information. It's even hard to find out how many babies in a clutch. You, you really don't know. Mm-hmm. Trying to get this information is really valuable, but uh, I've heard from some breeders that they don't even use heaters. Yes. Is, yes. That, is uh, that pretty common? Most of my most of my tanks, well, I, I used to live in California. So, but most of my tanks don't have heaters. It's okay if they go a little bit lower than even 65, as long as the water doesn't freeze in a way. They'll just stay not as active. They don't eat as fast and they don't breed as fast. But if you keep the temperature as long as it's stable, you know, throughout the day, not fluctuating too much, they usually do really well. So, Jimmy, just for listeners, if your room is 70 degrees, how many degrees is the water if it's, no, if it's not heated? Is it like, was it six degrees, seven? Yeah, it's somewhere between five and six degrees. I know, uh, you know we had Steve Rubicki on from Angels Plus, and, and he was telling about... Heat the room. Heat the room, and, you know, if he wants 
angels to kind of quit breeding he'll put them on the lower shelf of his because it's you know a few degrees cooler whereas the top shelf is a little bit warmer and so that's how he controls his breeding if he wants something to kind of back off on breeding because he's you know let's say he's got a lot of black angelfish right now and he wants them to slow down then he'll put them on the bottom where it's a little bit cooler but most people heat the room when you start talking to multiple tanks because it's just too dang expensive to run all those different heaters you know we just bought what day did we get those shrimp in from Robbie? It was this last week. Last week, I ordered uh, 50 Blue Bolt shrimp. And here in northern Minnesota, it's pretty cool. And I think they came in on a day, it was like 25 degrees above. It was 16. 16 degrees. And uh, they left them on the front step. And they were fine. I mean, they weren't out there that couple hours, maybe. We didn't notice. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. We only lost a couple. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's just to be expected during shipping. And I brought them in and I acclimated them over to my tank. I floated them for probably about two and a half, three hours. And I did a real mm-hmm. slow acclimation. And they're doing great. My wife chewed yeah. out FedEx for putting them on the front door because we have instructions to bring them inside so they don't die. So she chewed oh. out FedEx. And I think she used code words like schmelta and Schmelt. swear words like right. that. Right, yeah. She right. probably punched him oh. in the throat because she's mean. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I um, so we purchased some of the blue bolt shrimp, which I just absolutely love. I, I know Robbie had said too that you know he ships them so they're when they're a little bit smaller because they ship better. And I would rather get in a bunch of uh, smaller shrimp that are healthy and will grow than. Uh, when you have the adult shrimp, they, they become just a little bit harder to ship and it's a little more stressful for them. And so they came in the perfect size, the perfect color. They're doing great. I also bought some of his food. It's delicious. I tried some. You're gross. No. Do, I thought it looked Listeners like, do not eat any food, even high quality food. Yeah. Robbie Chan sells some really good food and it looks kind of a, like a green egg noodle that's flat. And what I saw different from this food than all the other food I've been serving is when I throw in one of these small little pieces of food, man, the you can get a hundred little baby shrimp on that one piece because it's flat versus like a, a round pellet like I've used from like Shrimp King and different things like that. It was definitely a new way for me to uh, have shrimp food, that's for sure. Yeah, I love it. And uh, so I've already burnt through a pack. I'm feeling... Uh, you're breeding. Yeah, I mean, right. I've, I've got, you know, lots and lots of tanks, but so I've already burnt through one of the packages. So, Robbie... Wow. Um, Again, you said that if you want breeding, you have high temperatures. So what's some of the highest temperatures that you've had them at just for uh, breeding purposes? 73 to 74. That's kind of like my highest breeding temperature that I will go to because I, I don't know, from my own experience, 73 is kind of like the you're pushing the limit. 74 is kind of when it's a really hot day in California. So me, I'm a bad boy. I have a large community tank, and some of the yeah. fish in there are like at 82 degrees. Some of the fish want it 70 degrees flat. I try to mm-hmm. do like an equal medium. I do like a 77, 78, and okay. I have spread across the tank uh, shrimp. And I've noticed mm-hmm. that adding shrimp, because it's so high, that I do have to do drip acclimation. There, there's no yes. way I can just float a bag. I have to actually drip acclimate. Yes, yes. And they they like increments of change. They don't like immediate you know, uh, shock. So to them, they're more fragile than fish, you know. Um, so I always suggest for neocaridinas, as long as they're below 75, they should be okay. Some people, you know, uh, raise them outside. They could tolerate a lot of different temperatures. But more for tank bred ones, you want to keep them uh, around 69 to 74. That should be pretty good. If I may, mm-hmm. I mentioned before, let's talk a little bit about the history of how these ornate shrimp started coming around. So in 1991-ish, I'm trying to go off of information that I'm trying to verify online. Mr. I'm going to butcher the name, Hi- Hisayu Suzuki mm-hmm. discovered some striking red specimens of some colored ornate dwarf shrimp and mm-hmm. started trying to breed them. And that's how we have the 
crystal red shrimp. And that's yes. essentially what started the craze on top of around that same time, finding red cherry shrimp. Yes. In the, uh, again, 91, 93 time frame. Yes. And these are the caridinas that uh, we didn't touch about the parameters. They live in lower acidity, you know, acidic uh, water temperature and, and all that. So uh, the pH will be at around 6.3, uh, 6.0 to 6.4. GH is around 4 to 5. KH is 0 to 1. TDS 120 to, you know, some people have it at 150. Uh, temperatures, you don't want to mess around. I mean, these are very, very delicate types of uh, shrimps especially crystal crystal red they they've been breeding breeding for a long time they can tolerate a little bit more fluctuation but we're talking about higher end you know very high specific very pricey shrimps so to try to go over the map they have a mm -hmm. detailed map of the cards on the neocardino front from the red cherry yes. shrimp Mm -hmm. And what we're going to do is we're going to post on our Facebook and the Discord for people to follow yeah. along with this episode of the, the map. They're trying to map how exactly they got all these colors. And it literally looks like, I, I got in front of the guys here, it looks like a rainbow of shrimp with a uh, flow chart showing how they got these things. And it really does give perspective that they're not done getting colors. People are no. still doing patterns, yeah. colors, and mm -hmm. especially neocardinias because... Really, the patterns we have out there are either solid color, clear, or really. Yes. For listeners, what's a really color pattern? A really color is, for example, red really would be red on the head, body is clear, and then red on the tail. Now, they did develop some red body, red head, and then body all clear. Those are called little red riding hoods. I didn't quote that. I didn't term that. I didn't coin that name but it's kind so, of funny to me <laughs> just like any other tropical fish everybody has crazy names for different color patterns but yes. uh we there's trying to have some traditional ones like if you say crystal it automatically defaults to crystal red yes there are Mostly. staples in the industry yes they, they they pretty much uh standardize certain names uh but people call them different names just to kind of look cool and 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 uh it's a sales pitch pretty much i, I have a quick question I've had this conversation with several different people. I've gotten several different answers. Um, you know, the red cherry shrimp, uh, then you go to like a fire red shrimp, and then the, the Bloody Mary. Is the Bloody Mary a different type of shrimp than, than yes. the red cherry? Yes, it's it's bred a little differently. Um, they kind of picked it out from a different gene. So the specifics is really about what the supplier did, and it's a it's a trade trade secret but as far as i know fire red and bloody mary is two different lines of neocardinas so then they kind of branch off from those two types and then slowly kind of dissipate into different colors you know there's green jades now and then you know there's so many different colors out there but it's mainly coming from fire red and bloody mary so to go off of that a little bit more, because some of the other common names, because we're trying to talk about the same shrimp and everybody has different naming schemes. So how I've yes. heard them is talk about fire red, which are just mm -hmm. pure, you know, no marking red. Bright red. Then the, I've heard Bloody Marys referred to as painted red, meaning they have one stripe uh, across the back that's a little bit faded and the rest is a very deep red, which is how you get like the Bloody Mary. Now, it that's how we've seen them come in. Is that common for the naming structure? Um. Well, actually the painted fire or PFR is the one that they call it similar to the fire red, but it's the highest grade. Um, they don't call painted uh, fire red Bloody Mary because Bloody Mary actually, the, the from what I know is 
the body is kind of more reddish and it's uh, it's the body's red. The fire red is actually the shell itself is more red. The body is actually uh, not as red. So then it's the shell color and, and the thickness of the shell that really tells them apart from each other. All right, I'm going to pick on you because this is terribly confusing mm-hmm. and I know it's going to generate mm-hmm. a ton of questions. So what I'm going to ask yep. is mm-hmm. in your spare time, if you have uh, have the opportunity to you know make a diagram, because I think that this comes down to a simple grading system. Right now, just to talk about the current grading system, say we have a crystal red shrimp, which is mm-hmm. white and red bands on a yep. single um, cardinia shrimp. So mm-hmm. the idea is the pattern of red bands or lack of red bands is dependent on grading. So you have A, is it triple A or double A? Then it goes to S and then triple S is the scaling? Yeah, it'll be A, S, and then uh, double S and then triple S. So triple S being the best, A being a base grade, which is a good grade. It's not B grade. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get like missing color, but it's again, not the pattern people are looking for. So I think that this is a simple deal where we just need to know what are those you know, small, subtle differences between them. So if you could post a few pictures and examples, either on the Discord or Uh even on your website as a self-help, I think that'd be a a great uh, addition for people. Yeah, not a problem. Because Um, I've been confused and I have a ton of whatever we buy because we're, frankly, we'll just see them on order lists. We'll get uh them and then, well, these seem no different and we just throw them in with the rest. I see, I see. Um, I know that's what other people are doing. Most of the grading is actually done with really, you know, fine-tuned, microscopic, magnifying glass so that they can see actually the shell thickness. It's really dependent on the thickness of the shell uh, to determine their grade. And also some people look at this, uh, the legs, the head, and the, the thickness through the head, and the tail, and overall color body shape, body size, body, uh, like how big is it, you know? I'm just imagining that the future of shrimp stores are people going to go into an old time jewelry store, right? They're going to find an old man behind the counter and he's going to get like these eye spectacles and look at him like he's trying to test gold or or jewelry. (laughs) Well, that's 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 14 carat (laughs) shrimp right there. That's what I'm talking about. You know, I think for the average person, you know, we're just buying the the regular stuff. But when you are breeding and you're going into competition, that's when it really comes into these different grades. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Everything will come into consideration. And there are shrimp shows uh, worldwide that they have where, where people bring their shrimp and they trot them out uh, in front of everybody. And uh, they are graded. They are voted upon by the people. about. And a lot of these shrimp become very, very expensive, don't they? So, oh yes, you actually won. Was it 2018? Where was the uh, what was the award for again? Well, we in 2018, I worked with a company, um, and that is from Taiwan. They actually won Shrimp King Award for you know it's kind of like a really prestigious award that Shrimp King Chris Lookup to he picked the Red Fancy Tiger as his most favorite uh, shrimp out of the whole competition. And we won that as uh, 2018. Yeah. Fantastic. And how many shrimp do you bring? Do you, do you bring like three to five shrimp or how many shrimp do you bring to the, because I've seen some of this stuff on YouTube and it's flipping crazy. <laughs> yeah, we we bring a very big variety. Um, I have sourced, I tried uh, to source as many varieties as we can. And um for our company, we can source over, I would say, 50 to a little bit over 75 or 80 
80-ish kinds of different type of uh, shrimp, freshwater shrimp. Uh, the, the list is still expanding as I as I source more for more. As far as shrimp number goes, uh, in import, uh, we import every two weeks. Uh, so every month we have two imports, sometimes ranging from 10,000 shrimps all the way to like 20. So it really depends on what type of shrimps we bring in, in particular. How long is the average lifespan of some of these shrimp? And again, lifespan is completely dependent on temperature. We, we understand that they can go yeah. quite a ways if they're cold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For lifespan, overall, people tell you the general guideline is about two years. Now, I've seen some shrimps that go as far as three years, really big, and but the average is about two years. And they mature, and I saw a question that, like, how, how long do they need to mature, you know, until they're, they're able to mate and, and breed? Um, it's about between two and a half to three months. That ain't bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and so they breed for the rest of their life after that. <laughs> and approximately, I mean, I, I know we've already talked about this, but how, approximately how many babies in a clutch? I mean, is there a huge difference between the Neo and the Cardenias for amount of babies um, having? It really depends on the female size. You know, um, if it's a first time mom, sometimes she'll, she doesn't carry as much because her size is still not as big. But if you're a full-grown size mom and she's very experienced, she's able to carry, you know, up to 30 or even I've seen like 30 plus eggs. But maybe first clutch would be like 10 to 15 or even up to 20. So it's between 20 to 30, I would say. And how long do they carry the eggs? Depending on the shrimp type, most carry uh, between 28 days all the way to 45 days could get a shrimp that, that could have babies three to four times a year correct yes yes so so one Very shrimp likely. one shrimp could produce probably 100 120 babies in a year mm -hmm. just to keep that and in mind when you when you've got 50 of them in a tank and and a yep. year a year from now and you got a lot more yeah the way i saw in taiwan i go, I go back to quality check them I've seen tanks where five males or 10 males to 50 females and then the tank it just explodes babies all over the place you know so you know and then they 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 that's how they mass produce a lot of the babies how do you sex shrimp well the basic ones are uh, around maybe it depends on the size usually 1.0 to 1.5 centimeters then you could start you know uh, telling the sex the males will have a slimmer mitt body and a little bit slimmer smaller in size a little bit compared to females females have a bigger mid belly and that the right the shell right behind the, the head would be a little bit broader and wider then you can tell you know from the male and female is it easier to, to sex them from looking from above like looking down on them usually usually want to see them from the side from the side you know okay. and yeah when they're they're holding still or they're just eating or something or they're, they're they're running around then you can actually see how they move male tend to kind of be a little bit more jumpy in my opinion you know they they kind of swim faster they, they'll chase after females you know so so their slimmer body, uh, the females are a little bit more wider. They walk around a little bit more slower, bulkier, more more graceful, I would say. Just like humans. Just like, I'm doing this all wrong. I just want to point that out. Like, generally how I do it is I grab my phone, take a picture of my junk, and just hit send. Oh, no, no. That's set. Oh, no, no. Sexing. Oh, not sexting. No, okay. Do, do, no yeah. sexting. <laughs> Big difference. All right. That's why I'm doing it wrong. I oh, it out. Lord. I can't wait for that phone call. Yeah, that'll be a bad one. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
So to get back on topic, guys, we haven't covered a few things. So number one, we've had a lot of you know misconceptions. You know, there's fish that can't stand copper products for medications. Um, how do shrimp handle general medications like salt or copper products? I wouldn't suggest too much of the products that will raise any of the trace minerals, uh, copper to be one of them, uh, because the the shrimps cannot tolerate high amounts, high dosage. If you're going to fertilize, be very sparingly, be very careful, because high-end shrimps, they're more sensitive to fluctuation. It could spike uh, the TDS, and then you will have sudden deaths. One there, one there, and you know, one a day or something like that. And that's not good when you're losing a lot of high-end shrimps. So is there any diseases um, that are common? And if so, how do you treat those? Um, most of the, the disease that are seen are like there's little white spots in the nose. Uh, and we use uh, salt bath, Epsom salt, and, and, and things like that. We could do salt dips. We can also do, I'm coming out with a product that is actually really good for immune boosting. Most of the time, they will have disease. For neocardinas, it's like uh, the green fungus or rust disease, little little disease left and right. Uh, and they'll, they'll slowly eat up your colony, and then they'll slowly die. So to go over a couple things, the, the only ones I've seen are the different types of funguses. That's the only problems mm-hmm. I've ever had with any type of shrimp. So yes. anything else, I've certainly not experienced. So number one, what's the disease with the white spots in the nose? What was that? Versala, I think... Um, we got I them. think I have to, yeah, I really have to go and do my research on those. Well, clearly it must be that rare. Name. Yeah, they they are found mostly in neos, caridinas, and that's what only show up when they're really kind of stressed. During imports, we occasionally will find some, uh, but we what we do is we do a quarantine system where they, we make sure that it doesn't contaminate with other, other tanks. So what's that rust disease you talked about as well? Rust disease is actually when the color coloration in the in the shrimp inside their shell started to turn brownish, or their nose start turning brownish, and then they'll all of a sudden just die off next day or the day after. This is actually a, a kind of like a bacterial infection. How would you treat that? Because fungus, we kind of understand how to treat. How would you treat mm-hmm. that bacterial infection for shrimp? Bacterial infection. Sometimes we use Paragard from Seachem and actually quarantine and, and just kind of screen it out. Make sure that it doesn't contaminate the, the, the rest of the, the colony. We don't really treat it. We kind of just observe it, make sure that it doesn't spread, and put some Paragard, put some... Some people use uh, those essential oils, okay, uh, tea tree oils, then to kind of help. But, and also some people use Indian almond leaves to kind of help be a little bit more antibiotics. Well, finally, I can get those uh, multi-level marketers, you know, into my house. Oh, wow. Get those essential oils going, boys. No. <laughs> Say, Quick question. Go ahead, Adam. Oh, sorry. Adam first. Okay. Do you ever need to add iodine to the water to help the molt? Because I remember, or is that mostly saltwater shrimp? Mm-hmm. Um, I would suggest try not to put too much iodine. You could have... My uh, trace minerals amount, you don't need a lot of iodine. In order for it to make a molt, the reason why you want to make a molt is the female, obviously, after they molt, they will be, you know, prepped for breeding. And uh, water change can do that. A little fluctuation in temperature can do that. A lot of abundance in food. The parameters, as long as they're stable, sometimes once they get grow bigger, they will molt. 
good water change habit, it usually helps kick jumpstarts that. Okay. That, that's all I've done. I've never had anything to. Uh, never had any molting issues. No. Yeah, they've they've just molted pretty uh, pretty healthily. I've never had one just uh, have an issue. So up north, yeah. I had that problem. As long as your water parameter is good, I think you're fine. You know, um, I always I always make sure that my parameters are good as far as GH and KH goes. And then the pH, we're using the active substrate to kind of buffer it. So then the TDS and everything won't fluctuate as much. If there is fluctuation, you don't want to water change immediately and or do too, too much. I would water change maybe 10% slowly drop the TDS down to maybe between, you know, if you're at 150 and you're, it's too much or 160, then I'll drop it down to 150 or 140 slowly by the 10% and then add regular pure water to kind of balance it out. So just for early listeners that are listening to the show, they want to get mm -hmm. into shrimp. What is mm -hmm. the molting process? Because essentially what I've had is I've had new people call me like, oh my God, one died in my tank and I go check it out and it's just a molt. So explain the process for our newbies. As shrimp grows, uh, they will need to shed their skin. And, and that's what a molt is. Similar It'll look to a like snake. a whole, whole shrimp just just died and then the, the inside cartilage got, you know, uh, inside the bones and everything got, or the meat got eaten. So it, it will look like a dead shrimp. At first I had that issue too. And then, and then I was like, ah. Did it die or anything? And I was looking around. Did it crawl out or, or, or it's just it was just hiding because when it molt, they will actually stay on the ground a little bit more lazy, not moving as much. It seems like they're dead. But in reality, they're actually absorbing the minerals in the water in order to harden their shell again. So then they can be able to, you know, keep keep going with other, with their life. And they're growing. That means they're growing. They're getting bigger and bigger. So let's see. Let's say someone sees a couple molts in the tank, right? Mm -hmm. What do you do with the molts when you find them? Do you take them out of the tank? Do you leave them there? They make a great chip dip. <laughs> Growed. Actually, they're very good calcium for the rest of the shrimps. The, the shrimps will go after it because there's pheromones in, in the molting of the shell. So it's actually a really good thing that they kind of finish eating that shell because... It gives them an extra boost on calcium. So it's kind of like a supplement. What you're saying is, I shouldn't make fun of Jimmy for eating his dry skin. That's right. Yeah, should be <laughs> fine. His fingernails oh, seems, yeah. seems extra good. Pro extra protein, right? <laughs> seems good. You guys are so. <laughs> Say, so do you beneficial add calcium to your fish tanks? I don't because in my tank, I make sure that my minerals and um, my water is staying the same TDS. The reason is because at certain TDS and everybody has their own parameters or everybody have their own number system where they like us breeding a certain, they have the peak amount of breeding at certain TDS. And for me, my TDS is between 125 to about 130. Once I hit that little threshold, my shrimp just go crazy. They mold easy. They just start breeding. And that's my little trick in a way that I kind of make sure that it's around there. So then it induces their breeding pattern. What size tanks are you using, Robbie? I usually use 15 to 20 gallons. Uh, I used to use 10 gallons, but I feel like uh, with explosive breeding that I'm doing, it's it's breeding too much and and I don't have the room, <laughs> so I I actually upgraded and I'm doing more 15 and 20 to hold even more 
breeding so then they can have a lot more room to raise and to breed now forgetting the you know whole filter process and water quality because mm-hmm. we'll you know, say yes. someone does crazy amounts of water changes great filtration how many yeah. would you put in a 15 gallon oh um think max disregarding flexing. max i would i i mean i've seen people put 500 in there ha see Long i told term? you like yep i get 500 because again you're you're breeding but let's say that I'm a fish keeper, right? And I just okay. want to know for my own, you know, I'm going to keep these shrimp in my tank long term for their life. How many would you max? I would start with about 50, you know, to, to create that colony t- between a 15 gallon and 20 gallon. D is good so that, you know, there's good ratio of males, good ratio of females. They'll find each other when they when the female molt. And that's what I, I do. I'm running 20 gallon longs with, with, mat, with matten filters. Yeah. And I keep 200 adults per tank. And Robbie comes over and just nods his head. He goes, there's a lot of shrimp in there. And when you said 500, he sat there and nodded his head. And I went going, see, I'm not crazy. It seems like the more shrimp I have, the better they do. And I don't know why. Yes. So you said this yes. word. I-, I love to pinpoint this because no one understands this. You talk about the colony. The colony. Give us some yes. more to, uh, viewpoint on that because, you know, we have ant colonies, we have bee colonies. Mm-hmm. Shrimp are often mm-hmm. called bees. What's with the colony? Yeah, um, the colony, it, it's kind of like an ant colony. You know, that's kind of how we reference it because there's always a group of, uh, per type of shrimp. When we keep some, like, let's say Black King Kong, we keep it in a colony because we keep it in a group. And they're that group and they will keep breeding, keep breeding, keep breeding, keep breeding. If you add sometimes uh, other BKKs or from other genes or some, some other types of shrimp, let's say different type, let's say a pinto or something into it. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I heard some t- from other hobbyists that sometimes they'll actually compete. And when they compete, they might attack each other or they might have a, a little fight in a way. Sometimes one colony might attack another colony and then make things worse, wipe out the other colony due to the competition for food. It's like gangs in so, Chicago. So it, I, it is. So <laughs> it's like gangs in Chicago, I'm telling you. The, so, so you usually want to keep one type. For us uh, as like breeders and, and hobbyists, I always suggest people try not to keep too many types because you never know what if one type that you bought in has certain things or a certain disease, it might pollute the whole tank, right? So you want to keep one type and then always keep it in quarantine first, kind of see them how they do and then put it in. Or you just buy a larger quantity like 20 or 30, you know, to start a colony and then that group will survive together. So I did you know, this so, wrong. Yeah. I have a big community tank and we'll mm-hmm. get the we'll get into tank mates later, but it's a community tank with other fish as well, which can be mm-hmm. a risk if you don't know your type of uh, variety in the tank because they'll pick them off, they'll harass mm-hmm. them, they'll stress out the shrimp. But I have a very densely planted tank. And what I wanted to mm-hmm. do is I didn't care about breeding them. I just wanted mm-hmm. to have my favorite pick of individual shrimp. So over time, oh. I've put in a bunch of random colors, reallys. Uh, I put in uh, crystal reds. I put in everything, just a little bit of everything through the tank. And this is how you learn the hard way, right, in your hobby? That yeah. Number one, just as you said, they may fight with each other, which I don't get a lot of that, but they certainly don't colonize. They don't stick with each other. They're very much loners. A lot of lone wolves in there. They're individually just going off on their own. If they do breed because they're Mm -hmm. mixing, most often I get some garbage, clear, you know, cull-worthy shrimp. Washed out. Yeah. So 
um, shrimp breeding is really about selectively breeding them, and because uh, these suppliers and these breeders in Taiwan, they've spent a lot of their time. Some people spent, you know, over 15 years trying to develop one type of shrimp, and now you know they're they're famous for that. And because all the shrimps, once you start mixing different colors, different patterns, they come out a little bit wild. You know, they go back to their original、um, ancestry. We don't suggest that. We actually suggest if you want to keep one type, keep one type good for a big community like that. Of course, there's going to be you know different type, and that's why they're not going to function as well. They're not going to find each other as well. You know, so so the male and female will crossbreed with anybody. You know, they they find. But if you have a specific type, and then you keep it in the same group, they'll find each other really well because they go by pheromones, and and once they molt, the male will find the female really quickly. You know, and because they're they're familiar with each other. I've got probably about twenty five. 20 gallon long tanks with the different、uh, shrimps in, and I'm at that point now where I had I put in 200 fire red shrimp in, and I have got just a boatload of babies. Do you try to pull the babies out at all and raise them separately, or I've had people tell me, you know, just take the Adults out and move them to another tank and let the babies grow up in that tank. What what do you do? Yeah, this is one of the things that you find online that's misquoted, or everybody has their opinion. Right, and yes. I'm just I'm just yes, I'm, I'm lazy. And it's true. Everybody has their own way of、uh, of breeding. Now, for me and my personal opinion, I actually take out the baby. I keep my breeding colony as the breeding colony because if you start taking them out, what if the other your your other tank might have、uh, other parameters or might not be. Might be different. It might stresses out my pair that is calling that is already very comfortable, and they're breeding. As long as they're breeding, that means that this tank is doing well. And once you move the babies, I would move the babies out. The babies can adapt to a better、uh, the water parameter a lot easier than an adult can. So, is there any you know, so, tricks of taking、mm-hmm. out the babies? Because I'm just I'm trying to put myself in Jimmy's tank right now. He's got、sure. a zoo of shrimp in there, and suddenly you see all these I don't know. Specks everywhere, and there and there and I I run a lot of almond leaves in my in my yes, tank, yes, and you,、uh-huh. you go where all the babies go, and you lift that almond leaf, and there's three hundred babies underneath an almond leaf. Do you siphon them out, or how do you get them out of the tank? Well, I I actually just、um, put a piece of pellet food or、uh, something that sink、um, in on on the ground in the front of the tank, where it's easily accessible, and then I try to lure as many babies as I can. I mean, some people would be picking out the babies one day, and then okay, you know,、uh, they're busy now, and then come back another day, put another food, boop, 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 keep keep going, and and take out more babies. So it's it's a couple day process. You can't really take out everybody until you know the tank. You need to cycle the tank or something like that. You switch out everything. It took me three days just to move approximately a hundred fifty, you know, galaxy fishbone babies out of my tank. Just because I need to cycle the tank. That's、so、insane. That's, that's a, <laughs> and people ask,、yeah. wonder why shrimp are expensive. There's a there's a lot of hours invested in all this. And, oh yes. And yes, it's, yes. it's not like you just walk away and and、uh, feed them once a day. It's a lot of calling and a lot of pulling the babies. You know, I used to use a trick, and I know Rob's used the trick too.、Uh, when we used to have a lot of trumpet snails in a tank, we would take、mm-hmm. uh, and put a piece of cucumber on a on a small plate, turn off the light, and then you come back down two hours later and you turn on the light, and, and there's a thousand snails on top of that. And you just take that plate out and throw it away. Could I take a a, a small net and lay in the bottom of the tank and put some shrimp food in there? 
Perfect. That's that's that some uh, some uh, some people do that too. So <laughs> wow. go for it. I'm the smartest guy yeah. in the room. I feel good about myself right now. <laughs> and just to let you guys know, we did take all those trumpet snails on the plate and burnt them with fire. Uh, which and they're still alive. <laughs> they're still alive. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what you do. <laughs> is we should just introduce all the trumpet snails to Schmelta. Well, here's what we got to do, right? You, you got a list, right? You have cockroaches, yep. trumpet snails, trumpet snails, and Jim's ex-wife. They're all going to survive the apocalypse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. She might actually survive the cockroaches and the trumpet snails. There you go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're here for you, buddy. All right. Say, I have a question. How fast can you get a new color or size? Like, could you ever get two-inch cherry shrimp or brightly colored shrimp? Because somebody was asking about it, but I actually I was thinking about that too, is how long does it take to get a certain gene out of any certain strain of shrimp? And then also, have you ever seen the... What are you, um, Hitler? No. Creepers, creepers. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just wondering. <laughs> I'm just wondering. It's genetics. Oh, it's genetics. Yes, yes. Okay, Hitler. And then yeah. how often, have you ever noticed that the different color strains take different parameters, or are they all kind of the same parameters? So, Most, like, does one dissolve, one, like, higher pH, or you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Uh, for caridinas, uh, now I'm talking about uh, crystal reds and stuff like that. Uh, for them, they require a little bit more selective breeding. Now, the other, th- the, the thing I want to stress about is what do you want as a breeder? What are you looking for? You have to go with a specific trait. So let's say, uh, let's take your Neocaridina uh, Fire Reds. If you want to breed out a two-inch one, then you have to figure out what size do you want it to get. Okay, so th- I'm going to get the biggest size I can, and I'm going to breed it with the biggest size male, you know, male and female. And now I'm going to take them out, put it in a tank, let them breed. And then I'm going to pick out from there a bigger size and then go from there. It usually a span like that and for the big, biggest size, sometimes you have to add the genes back into it. If you keep crossing the same gene with each other, they tend to go smaller and smaller and smaller. That makes the gene a lot weaker. So then you wanna add some wild types or some other person's wild genes. Well, I don't call it, uh, people call it the same gene, but for example, if I have a fire red and I've been breeding it for two years now, and then they get smaller and smaller and smaller, I need to introduce new blood, new gene into it. So then it boosts it up a little bit stronger. So then you can actually get that size that you want. But it takes about, I would say, from two years. Some people even develop up to five. To One be- of my masters do, he, he's been breeding a lot of the caridinas and he will specifically go for one trait one specific pattern and he will do that and then keep doing it and he's been spending i would say 10 years plus just to kind of get that specific pattern but his shrimps will be very costly to piggyback off of that a bit yes we have a question that i've been asked by a lot of different people and Mm -hmm. it's essentially about culling so let's Mm -hmm. say you're have all the same variety in the same tank you're expecting that most of the shrimp are going to come out nice and colored how big do they have to be before you see color because when you see baby shrimp they're nice and small and clear when do you see them mm-hmm. they they bloom at what age taiwan usually use a measuring stick or some sort of measuring parameter or a, a guidance a length 0.8 to 1.2 centimeters so it's it's really small they're they're they're, they're the juvie size so let's, usually by about there. Let's try to compare it with something. Color. 
Because I'm just imagining a bunch of newbie people with with rulers that are just beating sticks around in their tank. Now I got to measure. Call, I got to call somebody from Canada because I don't know centimeters. I know, that. right? It's metric. <laughs> it's, I'm lost. Maybe I'm Mr. Pickle could help us. So if I you're going to try to compare it to an object, what uh, like the size of a pea? Probably the size of a pea. A BB. Yes. Or, a, or well, BB, BB are different no, grains, buddy. a little buddy. bit bigger than a BB gun or the BB pellet. So we know for sure that if they're the size of a large pea, they should mm -hmm. have color. They should have color, and they should have somewhat of the characteristics pattern or the specific uh, stripe pattern, if you're looking for that. They should have that. But usually you want to wait a little bit more until they're almost mature, which is about two to three months, before you start taking them out. Because you, it, when you take really small babies, you can't tell what they look like. So you might take out the really top grade ones, you know, and then put it into another tank. So give them so the benefit you want of the them doubt. Give them a little bit time, usually about a month to two, roughly two months. That's when I start calling. So what basically for between one to two months, that then they will start to have some pattern and some color. So then you start from there, you start selecting the juvies and then pulling them out and putting into the tank that you want. So one of the pieces that I want to point out here is normally culling is done for normal breeders. If you're going to mm -hmm. bring a product to market, you want to make sure that's a quality product. So if someone else breeds them, they can continue a pure gene. But yes. this is a situation that even if you're keeping your own colony, you're going to want to cull. Because if you don't cull, eventually over time, because shrimp have relatively short lifespans, if you're going to have this colony long term, you're going to want to cull. Otherwise, eventually you'll lose your color over time. Yes. Generation yes. after generation, and they will go right back to a clear or crappy version. Or they get smaller and smaller, which is on in competition, actually size does matter. There's hope for me yet. <laughs> size always matters, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, so, no comment on yeah. that one. <laughs> so when, when I call, what I'd like to do is, because I got a big heart. Um, Stop it. I, I do. I we have, have to be heart. heartless in breeding. No. No, I have a just big like heart. Pickle says, we have to kill the disabled animals. Here, here, here's my <laughs> they're not disabled; they're just special. <laughs> oh, okay. Here's my imitation of Mr. Pickle. Hell yeah, that was pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I have a planted tank, and I like to take my little shrimps that I don't think are going to color up, and I like to put them in a planted tank just to give them yes. just to give them a little something to hide at as the fish attack them and tear their heads off. Because I have a big mm -hmm. heart. Is it? What do you do with your calls? Do you? <laughs> I just look at your face, <laughs> and it looks like a stone-cold serial killer. Yeah, no, I'm not killing. <laughs> do, do you? Do you well, I don't have predators in my tank. Don't you? So, so what do you do with them? Do you just put them in your pocket and walk around and, and eat? Well, uh, a professional breeder um, will tell you that you usually need a minimum of three tanks. One for your main tank, your, your best colony, your best breeding group should be in there. Okay. Nothing else. And then once they breed, you pick out from there the babies and then you pull them into the second tank, an alternative tank, where they can grow up to a certain bigger size. So Super pea size. Actually, yeah, Sailable bigger size. than pea size. Then they can really see the pattern or this, you know, the, the things, the trait that you want to select. The ones that you picked out from there, you could put it back into the main tank for continuation of what you want, that trait. Or on the second tank, you can take it to the third tank, which is the call tank, which is something that you don't want. That would be the call tank. That's why people will sell off their call tank first and then go for the second tank. 
our cull and... tank just happens to have a two foot catfish named Charlie that just loves shrimp. <laughs> They're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we haven't talked yeah. about food, actually. we got to talk about okay. uh, about food. At Blue Crown Aquatics' website, you guys do have professional-grade food, but yes. there is a big, uh, bigger hobby. People have always been trying to do make their own fish food for, for years. But with shrimp, it goes even further. So do you make your own sh- uh, shrimp food, or have you tried it in the past? Um, I tried it in the past, and this is what I found. And from my own experience, the best way the best way is to actually get some really good grade food that is already made by everybody okay and then i grind it into powder and and then i sprinkle it on top of my shrimp tanks well if i swear if i come to visit you Hmm? i swear to if i come visit you and i see shrimp powder on your nose we have to have a conversation (laughs) yeah there there's so many different formulas to make shrimp food i i feel like i just feed them a variety of shrimp so i don't go with particularly only uh the 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 shrimp food that i sell i go with everybody else's because certain type of shrimp they'll actually like a little bit more protein a little bit more veggie so they, they have a preference but it really depends on what you're trying to do. If you want them to grow faster, if you want them color enhancing, there's there's food all for that. Oh, and so I like a complete food where it's a little bit of everything. That's why I grind a lot of different brand food to kind of grind it into powder and then sprinkle it. So then not only the adults will get it, the babies will get it. And then occasionally, if I want to take out shrimps or uh, move, I'll actually use the pellet one pallet, one complete pallet food. It's complete food, day-to-day food, that's what we call it. And then then I'll scrape out, you know, uh, call out t- uh, shrimps from there. The easiest method, of course, is just order from where you get your shrimp from because that's what they're eating. But if you mm-hmm. so choose that you want to go out and research how to make your own food, I'm going to give you a couple recommendations to start out with. This is how I've seen uh, a lot of my friends in the past make food homemade. This is not, like you said, every shrimp, uh, they were trying to get a different color, different result. So this is just a you could say, a beginner's guide to uh, getting into making your own food. Uh, number one ingredient, barley. Helps maintain healthy balance, providing fiber to the digestion. So beer. Yeah, it's beer. helpful for the digestion. And, you know, secretly it clears water, which we've mm-hmm. talked about in the pond podcasts. Oats, again, more fiber, but beta-glucan is the big thing that they want to talk about for Color. oats. Uh, more of healthy immune system really? is what they're trying to yes. kick out, right? Spirulina for immune system color, and it really works well for speed of growth. So if you're doing babies, spir- spirulina. I'm just spirulina say that. is wonderful it's for wonderful. everything. The oh, powdered yeah. spirulina. Uh, Jimmy's been trying to get me to do Placos, and Placos gobble it up. Just direct spirulina. Right. So if you're doing baby fish, certainly try uh, try looking that up. Um, soy shells provides uh, protein amino acids instead of you know maybe doing uh, actual meat protein or ground up shrimp which that's number one a hassle to do and not always taken by shrimp some form of calcium you can use calcium different types of clay you can get and add that are edible clays do your homework you can just simply add calcium to your tank by using like crushed coral and other methods bee pollen that we've seen provides a lot of fat and minerals uh, vitamins and minerals uh, to the diet and to be frank, a lot of people that order this bee pollen online, they add it for just fast consumption. If you put it in there, they'll gobble it up. That's very sweet. Alfalfa also for calcium and iron. And what about what about my favorite one? Uh-oh. Monday night, spaghetti night at my house. I feed frozen bloodworms. And oh, yes. I fe- uh, 
My, that's very good. That's actually very good. My one of my stores uh, again, Jeff and Nancy up in uh, Fargo said, "Yeah, we tried feeding them frozen bloodworms, and they love it." And so I gave some to mine. I try to mix it up a little bit throughout the week. And on Monday night, it's spaghetti night at our house, and the the shrimp will grab the frozen bloodworms, and they'll grab it in their I guess little claws, and they they suck it up just like a uh, little character on the Walt Disney films. Remember those those two dogs that ate the spaghetti? Are you just looking in your tank? To see tramp. if there's a lady yeah, in the lady, tramp moment. Lady in the tramp, exactly. And I could not believe how much I threw in a whole cube of uh, brine shrimp, which is quite a bit of uh, frozen brine shrimp, and it was gone in, in literally five, six minutes. Again, these oh. ingredients that we told you, besides the brine shrimp and bloodworms, they're ingredients to make food. So if you're going to do these, you can get them in raw forms, but make sure that you lightly bake them so they're actually a cooked substance some of these will rot in the tank if you don't uh treat them so these are ingredients i want to put that warning out do your homework there's plenty of places online that have great recipes give them a try if you want to explore but the best way is just going to order food where you've purchased your shrimp exactly and and that's what uh well i just got my shrimp from robbie chan here last week and it started immediately they started eating when i had the food that they've already been eating so yep. it's a big big plus well that and you got to quit yeah. putting pork chops in your tank it's just not kosher the bro. pork chop is because my brother used to hang it on around my neck because i was so ugly that's the only way the dog would play with me oh that's sad that's such a warm-hearted story and true and true and yes. true <laughs> all right so I some have... people actually feed um the fresh or oh, blanched spinach okay that's another thing or mulberry tree leaf actually if there's a really? there's a site if you go on YouTube and I love watching this because this guy has wild shrimp he's got like, uh, uh, neocardinia shrimp is is a mix and he's uh, famous for having these filterless tanks it's just planted planted tanks no filter no no nothing no bubblers he goes through a very diverse boiling of veggies he goes. Uh, um, as you said, spinach, but he also does broccoli and gets a lot of great results from broccoli. Mm-hmm. He has to cook yep. broccoli extra long, but they'll completely mow the entire top. The only recommendation is we're using some of these thicker, coarser vegetables. After 24 hours, take them out of your tank. Any food left over after 24 hours needs to be removed. Yes, yes. All right, Robbie, let's go to the next question. So sure. I see here that we have a lot of uh, questions that I'm going to get decorative shrimp and they're going to clean up my tank. That's always a, a question. And I just want to point out that the Cardinia, Neocardinia, as they do provide some small benefit to your tank cleaning up some waste, they yes. are not cleaner shrimp. If you want cleaner shrimp, the best way is to find in a mono shrimp, in my opinion. They've done studies to see what is the best creature, you know, ounce for ounce, that removes algae and other waste material from your tank, and there's nothing more vivacious to cleaning than an Amano shrimp. Yes. So as an, exa- yeah. as an example, we have a friend of ours, Ty, that does a lot of tank services. He goes to a city that has uh, a tank at the hospital. It's a very large tank. and 220 gallons. He show- well, How often do you guys show up to clean it? Uh, we stop in. Uh, he and I take turns, and we're there every week to check on it, and it's never, never an issue. So before it was an issue, the idea, they have this tank, and it's a very beautiful um, clinic that they have there. Three walls are pure glass top to bottom, and it's vaulted ceiling, so it's nothing but pure sunshine shining into the clinic. And it's very nice for a human perspective, but from a, a big aquarium perspective, it's just blasted with sunshine and green sheets of algae across the entire tank, and it blooms up real bad. So what we do is we get a bag of 50 Amano shrimp, dump it in there, and by the next week, all of the algae essentially is gone and have to just do a light spot check for some of the pieces of the glass. 
Yeah, I mean, the biggest problem we have right now is it's in the children's section of the clinic. It's just nothing but snot out on the glass. And that's the biggest issue. We have to go in there and clean the glass really well. And I usually like to put on a hazmat suit because all these little boogers are out here sniffing and wheezing and spitting on the tank. It's just gross. But yeah, the inside of the tank is just beautiful. But the biggest issue right now, like I said, is just going out there and getting and keeping that glass clean in the children's part of the clinic. So again, note that if you want something cleaning, a mono shrimp is the best one. Don't do ghost shrimp. And as far as these, you know, ornate shrimp go, they do do some cleaning, but don't purchase them if you're the idea is that they're going to be a cleanup crew. These are a centerpiece for a tank and treat them as such. We're looking for a little more information on just names. We don't have to go into in-depth detail of some oddball shrimp. When I mean oddball that are not, you know, neocardinia or cardinia. Mm-hmm. One of them that I keep getting asked questions about is bamboo shrimp. Yes. What is your experience bamboo. with those? Bamboo is a very interesting type of shrimp. They um, are very, they, they actually live in more neoparameters. Uh, we keep them in neoparameters and they're fine. And they can actually be in tolerant. They, they're a little bit more like mono shrimps. They can tolerate in a little different parameters uh, of, of water. So um, they're very, very cool to look at because of their, their web-like arms that keep grabbing the minerals and throughout the, the water. And they like a lot of high water flow areas. So yeah, those, and they get really big. If I remember correctly, I've seen some four inches. Is that correct? Yes, yes. They can get up to four inches. So you need a high flow. And I've also heard that some of them have issues if you have too many in the tank and there's not enough specks of matter that they're trying to catch from the air. They'll also have an issue of starving. So if you're going to add some, start with smaller amounts and work your way up. Move to more free-floating food in the tank, especially if it's a community tank and you're having bamboo shrimp. Flake food is probably one of the best. Crushed flake food. That way the fish get a chance at it and there may be a couple remnant pieces for the shrimp to filter feed from. Yep. So a couple of other oddballs that we hear about is ghost shrimp. And mm-hmm. ghost shrimp have very short lifespan. They breed easy, but they're, I don't know, they're really, in my experience, super finicky as far as if something happens in the tank, something gets rustled, they'll die for no reason, just from pure stress. Otherwise, they're, they're hardy shrimp, but there's zero color, they're glass colored, and they have no benefit uh, to the tank. I think they're a boring shrimp, and most of the time they, they even advertise them from wholesalers as feeder shrimp. So mm-hmm. if you want to start there, it's the cheapest way to see if your tanks are ready for shrimp, but they're by far the bottom line of shrimp in my opinion Mm -hmm. and the last ones would be the crayfish now there's the mexican dwarf crayfish that stays relatively small how big do those get jimmy i've seen about maybe three quarters of an inch to an inch and a quarter maybe and they do have the uh they call mexican uh, orange crayfish and they also have now the mexican blue crayfish and they're 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 small they're dwarf yes they, I've seen this as big as you know two and a half inches, I think, full-grown big female. I've never seen anything that big. They're relatively tame. The only thing that they have issues with, and this goes for any type of quote-unquote crayfish, is if you have the bigger crayfish or the dwarf craze, they have a tendency to nip plants. The dwarf craze, not so much. Only in the bit largest sizes do I see any damage to plants whatsoever. But the regular crayfish, or they call them, you know, lobsters in the freshwater uh, market. You'll see white lobsters, blue lobsters. I think they even have like a purple hue now. There's there's orange, uh, snow white, and bright orange, bright blue, bright red. And now I've seen just recently they have kind of a pumpkin color with black 
spots on them and those are pretty cool too so any type of those sizable crayfish number one they'll the lawnmow if you have plants you'll see them all floating at the top cut they will slice anything you have in the tank and if you have tank mates like say a fantail goldfish they're delicious they will reach up and anything they can grab they'll try to snip so they won't grab the fish but they'll tear their fins in the middle of the night. And then they'll eat them. If they can catch them, they'll eat them. But most of the time, they're fast enough that they'll they'll move. So you'll just suddenly see shredded fins in your tank because they're always reaching up trying to grab what they can. It's like a Mardi Gras parade. So some people have made comments on these uh, crayfish that you can take rubber bands like you see in Red Lobster and just clamp their claws. Or I've seen horrible things where they break their claws off or glue them. Do not do any of those those things. It's very horrendous to your, your creature. Very traumatic. Don't yeah. I've seen people do that type of things and they'll just lose them for the sake of the torment of not being able to use their claws. So yeah, they they need that for feeding. Don't uh, don't do that to your crayfish. Just make sure that you're putting them with compatible tank mates. You know, maybe if I put some rubber bands on my fingers, I'd lose a little bit of weight. I never even thought of that. I'm gonna do that when I get home. Mittens, Jim. Mittens. You're good. Mittens. 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 Mittens and the use of a spork. Because <laughs> god dang it, have you ever gone to Kentucky Fried Chicken and tried to use one of those stupid sporks, I tell you. Am I missing any oddball notable oddballs, Robbie? There are some like they call it the Pinocchio shrimp, where the the nose is very the nostrum is very elongated and it's sometimes it's a little bit blue at the tip. Those are the oddball ones. Uh, there's also something called purple zebra, which or bo- the boboltes. Um, there's a zebra bobolti. There's a green boboltes. They're kind of like the oddball out, um, but most people already tank bred them already, so these are pretty pretty prominent. Gotcha. I think the only thing to add to that is in a future episode that we're going to have with the DNR, we're going to be mentioning a detail about red swamp crayfish. And again, same treatment as the other crayfish we mentioned, but uh, these have a crazy story of how they're going to survive in Minnesota climate. So look forward to that episode. The last thing I want to touch, um, at least for my list, is tank mates. So number one, my favorite tank mate for shrimp, if you're looking for a non-shrimp tank mate, is the panda loach. And Robbie Chan now offers panda loach on his website. The panda loach was recently discovered in like 2007, 2008, and didn't really come to the aquarium trade until 2011. And I was happy to get one of the first people to get it in Minnesota, and not a lot of uh, has been known during that time. They, for years, miss... Uh, Species the creature because the small panda loach morphs as it becomes an adult. So if you see the pictures on Robbie Chan's website, you'll see these beautiful white and black perfect barred patterns on these fish, and they're beautiful when they're young. When they get older, they simply morph and go to a yellow and brown pattern that are blotches. Still a very nice-looking fish, but essentially morphs into a completely separate fish you did not expect to have. Yeah, you see it a lot uh, like that in saltwater fish, where the uh, juvenile and the adults look completely different from each other. But it's kind of cool to watch that morph process as they age. When you got yours in, um, what did we get in for you? 40, 50 of them? So when we got them in, I could only afford, I think it was 10 of them when we first got them in because they were wholesale $95 a piece. They were expensive back in the day. They were very expensive. And they're, they're not much, uh, over time they've gotten better, but they're still decently expensive. That's why I'm uh, blown away. Robbie, you have them for $11 a piece, don't you? Uh, I think I have it for eleven ninety nine. Yeah, eleven ninety nine. Yeah. That's well, a great. That's a great price. So I've been seeing right now about thirty bucks a piece. So certainly, uh, if you're interested, go to Blue Crown Aquatics website, check it out, and use our promo code for free shipping. But to go over these uh, these fish, they're found in hill streams in China, and 
again, people had to go th- essentially risk their life to get these things off of slippery rocks. They love a lot of uh, current. You don't have to have a lot of current. I have slow current in my tank, but you do have to have, in my opinion, a densely planted tank because, again, they uh, do love a plant base. They will graze, but they work very well on algae wafers and flake food in, in my ex- uh, past experiences. They really don't hit much on uh, the bloodworms. They'll, they'll pick at it, but uh, I have to have a uh, planted tank for them for best results. So just this last couple years, they've finally been able to breed them in captivity, and we're starting to see the numbers, and that's why we're seeing prices go down. But it's a fantastic shrimp tank mate. These things only get two, two and a half inches, and even at full adult size, they leave shrimp wholly alone. I've had baby shrimp in the tank with them. I have not seen them take them. Now, assume that anything that can fit in their mouth, they'll eat, but I've never seen them eat baby shrimp. So one of the better tank mates, and what's your experience, Robbie, uh, with that as a tank mate? Actually, I put them into all of my shrimp tanks uh, almost as because when we import them, we, we actually bring in quite a bit of them. And then so we kind of split them up into the, their own tanks. And one of the things I found was they actually live really well in groups, groups of three, groups of six and groups of nine. They, they really do well in more than two. The reason is because they, I, I don't know, maybe... They kind of dependent on each other or searching go together. So it's 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 really good that you have uh, at least a trio uh, together. So then they they live really well. So loaches are social by by nature. I have 30, 35 in my own tank, and I have a mm-hmm. 25 gallon tank. Mm -hmm. And they absolutely go in batches. They'll try to school together where there is some current. They are uh, recommended with plants, keeping together. And I've had an issue that they must have salt, a soft water. If you bring them into hard water, even with drip drip acclimation, they seem to have a lot of uh, a lot of trouble. I have a very soft water. I bring them up to uh, our friend's tropical fish shop, and they have hard the complete opposite hard water. They cannot seem to keep them in a uh, in a easy way so i've seen that over and over again so check your uh, check your ph and get a get a bunch but what's some of the other recommendations you have for tank mates because that's the hardest thing when i talk to people oh i want to put this fish with them well they'll eat the shrimp oh, i want to put this fish with them well guess what shrimp's a snack yeah mostly another thing i mean i wouldn't keep any other thing other than panda loaches when with my high-end shrimps because you know you never know right um, but some of the things that I've heard people use is uh, a lot of the nano shrimps, uh, nano fishes, I'm sorry, nano fishes, like so, chili resboras or uh, galaxy resboras. So some, some of the nano fish you do have to still be careful of. To give, it a, yes. give an example, so betas. I've had betas where they'll leave them alone. I've had betas where they'll gobble them right up. Never risk it with high-end shrimp. But some of the friendlier tank mates are like a scarlet battis. They're already timid. Mm-hmm. They're hard to get food naturally, and they stay very, very, very small. So mm-hmm. that's a great, uh, great one. What about snails? Snails generally leave them alone. Um, However, if you have something like a, an assassin snail, and they're just so however opportunistic to find a small, dumb baby shrimp, they will try to try to get it. But having a couple of assassin uh, snails in your tank isn't going to affect your colony. What about a, like a ram's horn snail? Completely should leave them alone. What about endlers? I have endlers in the tank with my shrimp right now, um, not by my choice. Some of the other more risky uh, choices, I have, again, a very densely planted tank. 
and I have rummy nose tetras. Now, rummy nose tetras have been known to school, and they're not particularly aggressive, but if there's a shrimp, an opportunistic shrimp, they might uh, try. I keep mine very well fed. They are fully grown, and there's so much plant life, and they school so well, they leave all the shrimp alone. But it's a risk. I've seen YouTube videos where they hit shrimp. They have never once hit my shrimp. Everybody can have a, a different uh, scenario, but I think some of the nano fish to stay away from are Danios. Danios will hit anything that uh, you put in the tank as, as far as a small baby shrimp or even mid-sized grade shrimp. Um, be careful with your tetras. If you have some of the more aggressive serpe tetras, black tetras, be very careful. Neons will be fine, but there are other larger neons. Glow lights have been known to hit a shrimp. And even um, s sparkling Garamis, they're the smallest garami variety that we normally use in the fish trade. They, they eat inverts. Yeah, they, they're known to hunt shrimp. So if you want something fun, have a big colony, put a couple of sparkling garamis, and you'll find behavior you've never seen before that croak, but don't put them with your fancy shrimp. Yeah, it's probably be, ram cichlids. Yeah, I would not put ram cichlids in with anything. If it has a <laughs> it has the word cichlid, don't put it with a shrimp. That's right. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I have in with my shrimp is I have some snails, and they breed... The snails are breeding so fast. Robbie brought over some assassin snails, and I've been using them, and they are extremely lazy. And they, I wish they would eat snail eggs, actually, because I They're actually, just full. That's the problem. Yeah, I was going to say, I actually, uh, when I do a water change, I actually will take a wet sponge and get the eggs off my tank all the way around, and it looks just like a big jelly mass. Um, the only other big fish that I've had luck with with shrimp is SAEs, Siamese algae eaters. True Siamese oh, algae okay. eaters. Yes, these yes, things get actually be okay. These things get huge, and they leave my shrimp alone. They right. are, uh, what are mine, uh, pushing four inches? Yeah, I was gonna say they're getting at least that big. And they completely leave shrimp alone. I was blown away. But those are the tank mates. Otherwise, it's really difficult to keep shrimp. And you'll see, even adding tank mates, it will prevent them from the breeding activity. So if you want to breed out your fish, keep them alone. If you want them in a community tank, know that they're going to slow down breeding. Yeah, if you want to keep shrimp, I would just go out and get yourself, you know, like a 15, 20-gallon tank like we've talked about it. I would set it up uh, with just the shrimp. And I know my favorite thing, when I go downstairs, my wife will say, what are you doing? I say, I'm going to go down and feed the fish. You'll see it in half an hour. And I will sit and watch uh, the tanks, uh, especially my, my red fire shrimp, which has hundreds of babies in there. And I just find it fascinating. And I do keep almond leaves in with all of my shrimp. And they will... Uh, once you get a colony going, you can put in a 6 to 8 to 10 inch almond leaf in there. And within about, uh, I'd say, 7 to 10 days, there's nothing left but the skeleton of that leaf. And it provides natural bacteria and uh, for them to feed off of. And they absolutely love it. And it's absolutely essential to uh, put that in as far as I, as I think anyway. So we're getting towards the end of the podcast here. We've, we've gone quite a ways in, so I, I don't want to keep uh, you too much longer, Robbie. But mm. one of the biggest questions we have is, what do you use for substrate? Now, there's special types of media you can get for shrimp. Explain that. Okay, so uh, the Neos, Caradinas, you could use sand, gravel, or um, any type of inert substrate. The What I mean by inert, it doesn't raise or lower pH. pH neutral. Um, pH neutral, yes. And the other ones for caridinas, we need to use active substrate, which will buffer the substrate down to a lower, more acidic pH so that they will thrive. So is there any uh, recommendations? Do you have something on your website? Um, right now, I am in the process of sourcing a really good soil, and uh, I'm in the talks right now and working with a, a supplier, and we're thinking about doing 
uh, rebranding and things like that. So it's in the process. So the other day when I got my, my shrimp from you, I was very happy. Um, a lot of people, when they, they buy uh, fish, they won't send the hard products, I like to call it with, like the, the food and stuff. I was very happy to only have to pay one shipping cost. Um, you mean free shipping yeah, with their yeah, promo free, code? Yeah, free shipping, exactly. <laughs> and anyway, I got my uh, I got my food and my shrimp all in one box. Are you able to uh, do that all the time, where you can send the hard goods plus the shrimp? Basically, if we can be able to fit it in, we will put it in. You know, because they they number one, they don't change the temperature in in the container, anyways. Um, number two is we don't have a lot of leak. Hopefully, uh, knock on wood, we don't. But um, when we pack shrimps, we actually double bag. And as you can tell from our packing, we actually make it really packed together. So it's the packing is very important. And if we could fit like a food which is kind of flat in, or you know, some some cycling products, definitely we will be able to put that in. And that is a huge savings in shipping because oh well, yes, like yes. I said, a lot of the people that uh, will not just for the fact that they're worried about that hard good, you know, might poke the bag. Your bags that you use uh, are so thick, I could hardly see the shrimp in them when I got them. And like I said, I, I floated them in my tank for maybe two, two and a half hours and did a direct acclimation on those, and they did just great. And you've got a big piece of polyfoam, or I should say polyfoam. What is it, Rubs? It's like a filter floss. Yeah, filter floss. Two, yeah. two, three huge pieces in there that were layered, and I sat sit there and had to open that up and try to get all the shrimp out and and coax them all out. And and they have they're sent with the the filter floss type product on there just so they got something to hold on to. Yes, and, and they're not yes. in the bag spinning around like Scooby Doo. Yes, yes, and and we will actually put in some purigen in there too, just to kind of remove any sins or any ammonia. They were to produce any, so it, it safeguards them during the trip, so then they don't you know hold on to each other and tear each other apart. One of the things about shipping is they will actually kill each other if they're you know hungry, and we always try to have them clear the poop out first before we pack them, so it gives them time to uh, kind of clean themselves before we actually put them into the bag and bag them. Yeah, if they're not pooping in the bag, then then the uh, the water stays uh, water quality stays great, and you don't have any problems with ammonia. Yep, that's it. All right, so last question for you, buddy. Yeah. You have used our podcast, or let's put it this way. We have abused the information that you've given us to leak information about Blue Crown Aquatics information that's coming up. We were you know, hinting at people that you're going to have uh, betas on here for the first time. So mm-hmm. let's go over some of the comings. There's going to be poop juice soon, you know, beneficial bacteria. You're yep. working on getting sweet substrate, right? Yep. You yep. already have pandaloches and betas. What else yes. could possibly, you know, we want to hear for the first exclusive on the podcast what else is coming up for blue crown aquatics well we're thinking about getting into um, not only betas but in in the future we'll think about getting rare hard to find fish uh that's one of the things that we can we're we're trying to do uh we're striving to get into that the other thing is about plants Uh, uh some of the boost plants or some of the plants that we that normal people here in the U.S. can't get or they they have a difficult time to get, we should be able to source that out. You know, I'm in talks with another plant company that is in Taiwan that could be able to provide certain type of plants that are not uh, readily available here. In the- Perfect. So when we bought those 50 blue bolts, you, I was also able to convince you 
to send me some of your best Subwaster Tang. And yes. I essentially just bought it so I could say the word to my friends, hey, have you looked at my Subwaster Tang? He does. He says that and a lot. And they fear at me like I'm going to pull down my pants. <laughs> we don't want to see that. Nobody nope, does. It's nothing Nobody. in my pants. It's a plant that's super <laughs> sweet. I got to say that I'm super excited for plants. And, uh, you know, start with Subwaster Tang, man. Yeah. Subwaster so Tang is one of the very popular plants out there that we eat. And they, they grow fast, too. They're really good water cleaners. They, they absorb a lot of the nutrient from the water. So that's really good. And the other thing we talked about off the air before we came on is that you are working on getting, being able to send up to Canada. You're working right now and hoping in the next uh, maybe month or two, being able to ship over to Canada, do some international shipping. Is that true? Yes, yes, yes. And we are in the process of talking to a distributor out there to be able to have ac- have them have access and help us distribute shrimps to the people in Canada. You know, it's it's long. I have people have been asking me for it, uh, but I just don't have the resources and that. Uh, but now I'm in the talks with them, and then they're 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 reluctant. Um, but if we can streamline that, we could be able to provide to Canada. So before the podcast. You know, we were able to, you know, chat first to prep everything. Mr. Pickles joined in Discord because, again, this was all done on Discord, so come join us. It's on the bottom of our website, com. Bottom of the website, Discord. And, you know, Mr. Pickles is in Canada. He was, like, one of our first fans. He's been begging, please, please, please send to Canada. Are we sure he's a fan or is he a stalker? He's a stalker. He's a stalker, point. yeah. Stalker. Hell, so we hell got, yeah. We got Robbie Chan to uh, say that there's going to be a future promo code in just, just uh, you know, a He's Mr. Pickles for our, for our Canadian friends. So as soon as that's uh, done, you'll hear it here first, and uh, he'll probably be my first person that I sent ship things to, <laughs> and then test it out. And the first thing <laughs> I would do, I would send him a rock in a bag. That's just send him a rock, kind of, <laughs> kind of, yes. kind of like, like uh, Halloween with Snoopy. You, you know? know what we're gonna do? We're gonna make a rock with googly eyes, and then we're gonna use those pipe cleaners as hands. And there we we're go. We're gonna hold a tiny didgeridoo. There we go. I love it. And we're gonna we're gonna double charge it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I appreciate your time, Robbie. It uh, means a lot to us, and thanks for being the amazing sponsor. Again, promo code Aquarium Guys on the website for free shipping. Yes, he's here and hears it, so we know it's 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 true. It's not just a mistake that we've been picking on him for. Oh, we know it's true because I just got free shipping. On right. My stuff. Right. 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 So give it a go. And uh, again, this week, you should be hearing this Wednesday. We're going to do an extra podcast just for the uh, listener in Ireland. So uh, stay tuned. Make sure that you're subscribed. And uh, you got anything uh, thing else for us, Robbie? I think uh, right now I'm just really welcoming people to ans- ask any questions. You know, for, for me, I'm more breeder uh, or hobbyist turn- breeder turn into a business you know so it, it, it's it's really fun road and well, if anybody is interested in we're lucky enough uh, to have you on our more, discord yeah so well, i am able i'm available we are lucky enough to have you on our discord so if someone has questions certainly uh message us we had a bunch of people asking questions because i said robbie chan is going to be on tonight hop on robbie is not afraid and you can also message him on his facebook page he's extremely active and if he doesn't know the answer he'll make it up Wait, that's me. I will try. That's me. <laughs> I make stuff up. That's right. So last last bit, if there's something else that you'd like to request, email us, message us. This was based upon a request, and then we're lucky enough to have them, him as a sponsor. So if, again, we may not be the experts, but we're going to go find those experts for you. Let us know what you want. If we have to take them, you know, pick them up in a van, beat them over the head with a gunny sack, that's If we have thing. to fake a chiropractor appointment that's just right. to get an interview, we'll do it. We'll do it. 
because because we have never been convicted of a felony. Never convicted. <laughs> Hashtag smelt smelt a life. Schmelta. Schmelta will frame you for murder. We know that. <laughs> I got a feeling that's gonna be your new catchphrase from John Mulaney. That's my t shirt. That's what I'm having made. I don't want no Aquarium Guys t shirt. I'm gonna have Schmelta Airlines. It's gonna be a crop top. And, and you know what what's really <laughs> what's really sad is I'm I'm flying Schmelta Airlines in February down to Miami. So if I disappear off the face of the earth, check Schmelta Airlines. If they ha- give you a free drink, don't drink it. Uh no. Right. No, they'll probably just fly me into a mountain. They know you by name. Yes. All right. Thanks, guys. And we're going to kick out the podcast. Thanks, guys, for listening to this podcast. Please visit us at AquariumGuysPodcast.com and listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We're practically everywhere. We're on Google. I mean, just go to your favorite place, Pocket Casts. Subscribed. Make sure it gets push notifications directly to your phone. Otherwise, Jim will be crying in his sleep. Can, can I listen to it in the in my treehouse? In your treehouse, in your fish room, even alone at work. What about at my man cave? Especially your man cave. Yeah. Only if Adam's there. No. With feeder guppies. No. no. They're endless. You midget loving sucking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll see you next time. <laughs> Later.